Welcome to Martini Shot, a podcast production of Nanico Studios. I'm Jordan. And I'm Sarah. And today we have a special guest with us, storyteller, teacher, playwright, among many other things, <laughs> Jonathan Douglas. Yay! Hello, hello. hello. Cue, How the, you uh, cue the applause. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Round of applause. Yeah. Oh, well, stadium crowd. There, there you go. go. There you go. We have quality <laughs> on this and everything. We're, we're really, uh, we've really stuck in our game. You put that in later, right? Absolutely. Sarah, yes. Okay. Sarah's running to it. <laughs> yep. Oh, I know. I love it. Um, thanks so much, Douglas, for joining us on our, on our, Sarah, is this, this is episode seven, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Hmm. I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's God's number. That's good. I'm a big I, I fan of the number seven as well. So it was very yeah. intentional. I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So we, we obviously know you, um, but for those who are new to the podcast, can you just like kind of introduce yourself and give us a background of uh, your jobs and experiences that you've had um, working as a, a storyteller? Generally speaking, okay. Well, <laughs> how much time do we have here? Is this an hour show? I forgot. Um, yeah, you got, 15, you got okay. 59 minutes, so you're good. <laughs> All right. Well, great. Well, when I was two... Um, no, I'm actually not kidding. When I was two, uh, you know how the kids usually get the teddy bear uh, to comfort them as they go to sleep. My parents gave me a hand puppet, a little puppy that I put on my hand. And my mom, who now I'm thinking about it, you know, did minor in child psychology along with her education degree, um, probably knew that I kind of needed that um, to, uh, you know, have my kid imagination just go wild with it and talk it out but at the same time when I'm bringing this thing to life uh the storytelling process started so by the time I was 12 uh my mom who was a uh, children's pastor and doing children's church asked if I wanted to help her with uh puppets and well of course why not you know past 10 years I've been doing that you know late at night till I fell asleep anyway so uh that process started us down the path of then what is what is storytelling you know in order to do our weekly puppet shows, you know, our little sketches. Um, and it's kind of funny because I've come full circle. Sarah knows. Um, back to doing puppets uh, this Sunday for the kids uh, for, my, for my daughter's children's church. So, but anyway, that's where it started. And it just learned some very basics. My mom being a reading, writing English teacher um, made sure that, you know, hey, we got these fundamental benchmarks in the storytelling process, whether we're doing a 10 minute sketch for puppets or, you know, a, a, a later on a VBS, we wrote our own vacation Bible schools. And so that was, you know, you know, and then Christmas uh, productions for the kids. And, and so then it just escalated from there. Um, that's, that's going far back. Um, after that. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the uh, years. Look at the time. I was kidding. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. In 1998. No. <laughs> yeah. Un undergrad, I decided I was going to do communications, but I was going to do journalism. Um, and then from that point on, uh, as, as I'm sure Sarah's tired of hearing me tell the story, I changed my, I changed my focus, my degree uh, in undergrad uh, every semester. And I went through the whole communications field. I went from journalism to now, nah, I think I'll do advertising, to no, I'll do radio, to television, production and all that, uh, to just, you know, just uh, photography, you know, everything. Um, I went through the whole, everything except, except for the theatrical arts, because that was a waste of time. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm about changing the world. And if I want to change the world, you know, as I was going to do at 17, 18, for sure, um, then, you know, and the world needed my greatness, uh, then I needed to deal with the facts and I needed to not waste my time on fiction. That was, that was the, the thinking came out of undergrad. And it's kind of funny because you, then you finally discover a lot of what you're about, as you probably know. So, uh, and in uh, the church I was attending at the time, I was playing on the worship team and the worship leader was also the youth leader and he needed uh, someone to lead the drama team for the youth. And from there, I had a drama team assembled. We did uh, productions for the church and then we got into fine arts uh, performance competition. And we made it uh, within two, three years, we made it to the national level and we won. We won in the category of human video uh, but there's a storytelling process, of course, to that, uh, which was just, you know, doing a live music video on stage, lip sync and all to a particular song. We did a mashup of songs 
so that was new and in, in, you know innovative. Um, and we also did short sketch and we would go to finals and nationals and that. And so I start to really like this thing that I was, uh, you know, doing for free on the weekends, not my real job. You know, I was working at Staples, working retail by day and, uh, <laughs> you know, but what do you ultimately, what do you know, you know, what, what's your, what's your passion? It's, it's what you're going to do for free on the weekends. Um, and so, you know, even if, you know, uh, they're not going to pay you. You're still there. You're still there for it. And, um, and you'll sacrifice so much for it. So that's where I ended up, you know, realizing, Hey, maybe just maybe this is a thing. Um, I started going around to other churches in the tri-state area, trying to teach them how to do youth drama and, you know, what it takes, the, the components got a, got a, you know, some free meals and some airline tickets out of, uh, and some, you know, some fun compensation for coming around and teaching this and then I was realizing, hey, this whole teaching thing, along with this storytelling thing, whoosh, maybe just maybe, um, ended up going back to uh, grad school for that particular thing and, and graduated from Regent University with uh, a degree, master's in uh, theater education and ministry, more ministry than education. But anyway, and then ended up going back to teaching in high school, uh, Christian high school. Um, uh, on the way, doing uh, stage management for Virginia Opera out of Norfolk, Virginia, for for a year, uh, their educational tour for kids, um, doing some assistant stage management for some of their bigger productions back in the main stage, then ended up back into the teaching, which which is where I really wanted to be, and um, and then uh, good grief, there was a couple schools, uh, one of them being Delmarva Christian that I eventually ended up at as well for that, um, so I'm I'm trying to paraphrase the last 10 years right there. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, um, do you. But in the process, if I just could also add, because I know it's part of what you guys are about, uh, the storytelling process. I mean, I was focused on the stage, whether it was in a church or whether it was in a local community theater for the, the school I was at. We'd rent the, the community theater out uh, in order to do our productions. Um, but then it shifted um, because when I was at Regent, as uh, I think I've, I've told you guys before, um, but uh, when I was at Regent, again, what you're doing on the weekends <laughs> outside of your usual schedule, that says something about you. And I got really uh, focused. I got I got pulled into, sucked into, if you will, the film side of storytelling um, from just my friends that I had who were, you know, I was stage managing for shows uh, for Regent uh, for their actual, you know, ticket ticketed uh, audience, their season ticket holders. And, um, you know, various folks would come in from the, uh, the cinematography department and they would ask for actors and then they just needed a crew and to do their, you know, their school projects and they could not pay anybody, <laughs> but Hey, you got all this free experience and, you know, and whatever, uh, restaurant we were shooting at, they might throw in something for us, you know? So I got involved in doing everything crew wise. I even got to act a little bit. Um, and decided I went back to crew and, that, and, and, and being at the elbow of the director of the shows that I was stage managing in the Black Box Theater and being at the elbow and being first AD or second AD for the, the student director of the films on the weekends. And I learned a lot that way um, and as well as you know, going to class, I guess. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> for, all the, for that kind of thing. Uh, so ultimately, the skills that I picked up then gave me an opportunity to do some uh, CBN is on the Regent campus. And that cable broadcasting was doing the 400th anniversary, 400th anniversary of the founding of Jamestown. They're doing a, a, a mini series of that. I got involved with that, you know, just because again, it's the connections. It's who, you know, at that point. Um, and they give me some gas money, you know, <laughs> uh, but then I learned so much again, watching the professionals do what they do to put it on, you know, cable TV. And uh, from there, with that bit of experience, by the time I got to Delmarva Christian High School in the, the 2010, 2011, I guess it was, uh, yeah. I, you know, we, we wanted to have an opportunity for students to be able to do film. So we did our January term short film class. We started it right there because I had this osmosis of experience and I've built on it ever since so that now pandemic hits and I'm at a, uh, at a church in Milton, Delaware. Uh, they needed somebody to quickly turn around and say, hey, 
I know how to put this stuff online and I know how this works, the process of this. And well, lo and behold, <laughs> the thing that I had done on the side then became my thing, my main thing. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I, I hope that that gave you some idea. No, absolutely. And yeah. I think that's what's that's like fascinating about you is that your your background is so diverse uh, yeah. and, and touches so many fields. Um, and I think, uh, well, there's obviously common threads. And the reason why yes. you're on this episode is under this whole topic of storytelling. And I think that you maybe, in, uh, you and Sarah have had an, a conversation about this before. Um, so hopefully this is not too, you know, nuanced of a question, but what what is your favorite part of like the storytelling process the, the favorite part yeah like is oh, it, what, that, what, what it draws you on, to it <laughs> it depends on the week uh no. <laughs> I, I i totally gravitate towards not being in front of the camera being behind the camera and being in the writing directing capacity mm. um i always seem to end up especially in my current jobs uh situation uh where somebody else is in, initiating the um you know the content and initially initiating the content, uh, if that's the way I can say it, initially initiating. Anyway, yeah. uh, it works. It works. I, I fall into a stage management role constantly, uh, or a first AD for you guys in your world. Uh, but you know, ultimately, my favorite is to be in the writing, directing. You know, especially when I can put the two together, I feel like I have more control, of course, of of the vision. But if I had to choose, I would probably choose the writing. Um, you know. A lot of times, um, even though I, you know, I, I couldn't make the argument, you know, a month ago that it was directing. So I, you know, I, I keep wavering between the two because I, I love what the aspects of both. So I can understand that. Yeah. And for those, I don't think we said like specifically beforehand, but this episode is about storytelling with pertaining to mostly writing as well. And as Jordan kind of mentioned beforehand, you have such an extensive background in this field of going all the way back to journaling uh, in college and things like that. So we thank you again for being on the show. Yeah, no um, my, my next question is, what is your favorite uh, medium to write um, out of all the plays, short films, and now um, church skits that you've written? Favorite medium? Yes. <laughs> uh, writing for medium, as in either the live stage versus the film. Uh, yeah. which you're gonna, which you're gonna shoot. Uh, fundamentally, I, I feel like um, the initial, the initial writing or the initial beats for all the for 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 the different mediums is the same uh, for me. And uh, it, it's it's once you have the basics of the storytelling, and then you say, okay, what am I trying to suit it to? What audience? What time frame? You know. Um, you know, it, it, it could be, it could be something as simple as, Hey, we need an opening five minute sketch to illustrate this message in the Beatitudes that we're, we have, that we're really focusing on as a church. Two years ago, it was, uh, we got a three act condensing of the five act of pure Ghent, you know, and how do you do that for a middle school, high school and their parents <laughs> audience, you know? <laughs> What, what uh, I mean, was that challenging? I don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so it's initially it's it's you know what are we trying to accomplish uh, in the storytelling? Is it that initial question to me is the same, and then as you get going um, in in the, the flushing it out and and, and seeing what 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 what, it, what it's supposed to become at the other end when the audience shows up, um, then I think it's more. It's more the director side of me that then will then shift gears and say, okay, this has got to fit live stage. Okay, this has got to fit, you know, being able to 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 shoot it and edit it. You know, mm. um, does that make any sense? My yeah. my understanding of what you were you were getting at there or asking? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, the the initial writer in me doesn't. It starts the same. I feel like, um, no matter gotcha. what we end up where we're going to end up with the project. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe that actually, I think that bleeds into kind of what we were going to talk about next. Anyway, I would love to, I think, well, we, I think we both would love to know a little bit more about what that process looks like for you, particularly if you're saying, hey, you know, depending if it's a two act play or a three act short film or, or whatnot, it's pretty similar for me as a writer. What is that? So if we're like, we can get into the head of Jonathan Douglas preparing oh to my. write something. <laughs> uh, we've got oh our my. safety hazards. Today's not the day on. for that. <laughs> I've been up since 6 a.m. and, and uh, kids and family issues. <laughs> 
So, okay, okay. So well, we're gonna go philosophically here, huh? Well, we can just talk like what, like what, uh, what's it for you? Like for me, if I'm starting a new project, it's yeah. like I, it's theme first, plot second. It's it's a it's a because just because of how I need to be, I need to be really structured. So I'm big into like outlines and beat sheets before we even get into pages. How does that for for you? What is your process? Oh wow, that's right. You're organized. I don't have that's to. Why be. you're good at what you do? <laughs> yes, good good for you. Good for you. No, we all have. Our, uh, there's no right or wrong answer. We all have our process. Well, I I might have gotten away from the organized part of me um, a little bit since, you know, I've, I have been around Sarah for a few years now and she's been able to take care of that. So, so you're asking me what's my whimsy, you know, visionary stuff. Oh boy. Okay. Um, or, or, the storytelling process for me, I was, um, I knew you were going to be asking this. So I, I was just trying to figure out a way to describe it because there's so much, you know, that's like, you know, it's like, you know, cloudy and misty at times. Uh, it is for everybody, like every songwriter, um, as, as another thing I've attempted to be, um, you know, it has a different way to start, you know, a, you know, a lot of bands, it could start with the music or they could start with the lyrics, you know, that kind of thing. So what, what comes first, you know, um, I'm trying to, one size fits it all, fits all, try to explain maybe that I look for a hook mm. that makes any sense. That hook can be different every single time but I'm looking for that initial spark that hooks me. Does that make sense? Um, it, it, it's a hook of an idea. In, in music, it's, it's you know, it's, uh, hey, we're jamming out in this one hook of a guitar riff. And everybody says, okay, whoa, stop, play that again. And then let's build around that. And let's launch this way or that way from that hook, from that, from that spark. And I, I feel like it's the same way in writing. Um, or in the storytelling process for me, it's going to be, um, you find what is this one thing? Like I could be out and about driving around and it could be a particular song that actually happened for me when, when, um, uh, I was, I was uh, supposed to be, you know, writing for this, this human video competition, uh, that we were going to go to, you know, and, and try to compete nationally with, um, I was driving along and I was listening to the Apollo 13 soundtrack. And there's this one particular line that just, you know, just, uh, and the sun was setting at, you know, at a certain, you know, golden hour. And all of a sudden, boom, it's like, uh, I got inspired. It's like, wow, that could be part of a drama. You know, that, that could, that could be the soundtrack to a drama. And then I worked out from there. And so then it's the personal, um, the personal inspiration that you can build out from there. Uh, another time it was just the picture of, uh, on a poster, you know, and like, okay, if I wanted to do that story, I want the character to look like that. And I initiate from that initial vision of that. Of that. Um, it's, it's what I call the central image concept. Okay. Whatever I get is that little hook, whether it's a piece of music, whether it's a particular story that I've heard, I would love to retell, whether it's the look of a character and I find them, their complexity is so interesting. Once I get hooked, I find my way to, whether as a writer or a director, what would be my central image concept? Okay. Um, the central image concept can can then be the thing that I can look at to be the artistic center of the look, the feel, the style, everything where it goes. You know that that really plays in more to the director side of me, but I I, I bring it into the writing process. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, I, I just get again like I'm saying I get them all. It's a spaghetti ball here for me. I get them all jumbled up. Um, but then once I have that central image of how I'm supposed to emotionally engage this story that's coming about, whether I'm writing it or I'm, again, like I said, with Pierre Gant, you know, I'm, I'm rewriting so that it can, it can connect with an audience. Um, once I had the central image concept uh, for Pierre Gant, it was the bowler hat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the idea of him having, uh, I, I saw a character version of this when I was um, at Regent uh, where he had a bowler hat and he took that with him through his stages of life and the hat symbolized how it changed symbolized where he was in his you know progression um and growth as as a a person uh it it could be that one piece of music that i want to keep reoccurring in the live or on on film and so from that central image concept that, that thing that artistically centers the storytelling process for me take the journey out from that artistic image 
alongside the protagonist. And I'll start writing along, like I'm walking alongside with the protagonist. Um, and it's something else I, I guess I could say is just underneath the central image con concept, subconsciously, um, I think is, is the, uh, the truth, is the truth that I'm trying to tell, ultimately. You know what I'm saying? That piece of music emotionally, you know, triggers the truth that I'm trying to get out there. Um, that piece of, oh, that, that hat that Pierre Gett is gonna wear, uh, he, it, it's gonna tell the truth about his character. It's nondescript when he's a youth and black and just a silhouette. It's a, it's a form of what he wants to be. When he's successful middle-aged, it gets all decorated and it gets very rich. And we actually got a very expensive hat to, 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 to bowler hat, white. And, and, you know, like, you know, you know, the, the man that's made it in the mid 1800s. Um, and then as he ages into a pauper, it's gray and it's ragged and it's falling apart. And that whole time, the subconscious, that I, as, I'm, as I'm looking at this image, the subconscious that keeps coming back is the underlying truth of his journey. Does that make sense? It's symbolizing the, 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 the truth. And that's just one example, but I feel like I need that in order to really then uh, from there write. And once I sit down and everybody's left me alone, which is very hard when, you, <laughs> when you're got, got little ones in the house, once everybody's left me alone, and I start writing, um, that's probably my best acting because I have to be there saying it out loud as I'm, as I'm typing it and, and play all the parts. Um, but, I, but, I, but I do enjoy that part once I get fueled by the central image and, and, and the subconscious truth that it symbolizes. Does that make sense? No, I think that's yeah. like, yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, if I can throw you a curveball of a question, I'm curious, does your approach... Is it the same across the board or does it change? Because it, it sounds like you, a lot of your projects, particularly in the past few years, maybe have been more of like, I call them like commercial in the sense it's for your job as opposed to maybe like yes. a personal project that you want to explore in your own. Do you find that that process or rather that approach changes depending on, you know, whether it's a story that you in your head was like, oh, I want to do this. I, this is my personal project versus like, hey, someone saying we need this five minute skit to, to illustrate this before the service. You, um, is that, I don't know that that question is framed correctly, but does your project, yeah. I guess, stay the same throughout or does it change depending on whether it's a personal thing or more of a commercial project? Um, I need that. I need somebody to give me those uh, boundaries to the mm. playing field. And the stronger the boundaries, sometimes I feel the the, you know, to a certain point, I feel like the, the better, I, the more I thrive um, because then it's the challenge of, can I play within, within the rules here? Um, like for the Sunday, hey, we're introducing a new unit for the kids to study um, their, their Bible stories. And you've got, <laughs> you've got 10 minutes and you've got to make sure we get to this point about why we're doing this new unit. Uh, okay, that's it. There you go. You give me some very strong boundaries to aim for. And it then it helps me to quickly, more than I do, like I'm talking right now, get to the point, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it helps me, you know, get right focused. Um, if I don't have that, if it's a personal pet project, uh, it takes longer. It really does. Um, I, I, I kind of feel like I would do good. I would do well, excuse me. I would do well if I were a scientist with uh, the company 3M, uh, you know, the, their, their main thing is not, they're, they're really not inventing anything. Somebody else came up with the post-it note. Somebody else came with that up with the type of tape. Their thing is, hey, bring your idea to us and we'll make it better. And so mm -hmm. I, I just, artistically, that's, that's where I do my best, I think. Mm -hmm. um, here's an example right from um, um, Sarah's senior year. She had an initial germ of an idea for her short film project, uh, you know, and I was like, you know, that's so much better than what I was thinking. Let's run with your idea. And from that point on, I could come alongside and I felt like I really um, helped give her ideas to fuel her initial idea. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, my next follow-up question, I feel like I know the partially like the answer to this, but I just want to ask it anyway. Uh -oh. Um okay. Do you, <laughs> do you feel that there needs to be a philosophical element to storytelling and if so why? 
course not. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, like I said, with the central image concept and me getting there because that's on the surface, that's what I want the texture and the emotion and the feel to be for everybody. But then myself and the audience included, I want the subconscious truth to be somewhere in that. Well, there you go, right there. To me, I can't want to tell a story or do anything artistically without there being an underlying truth that I want to tell. And I think if everybody's honest, I think that's everybody's um, way. I, I, I don't know of anybody that could honestly say, no, I'm doing this for entertainment's sake only because ultimately that's still, there's a truth in that. Uh, I, you know, so you want to tell your truth is uh is usually the uh is what we hear uh you know i would probably try to take it a step further i tried i tried to uh figure it out ahead of time because i knew i knew you were going to go there um <laughs> uh it's it's one of those things where the truth in the, in the most basic sense um it could be a truth um that you know that we want the audience to connect with ultimately um that that is that is uh the main thing i, I can say all day long, I can be preaching my truth from my Sermon on the Mount, you know, um, from my car. But, you know, it's one of those things uh, that if no one else is going to connect with it, then, hey, you know, what was the point of that? And I and I hate that. I always wanted it to be something where I can, I feel like I could make a connection and somebody could say, hey, I, I recognize and I relate to some aspect of, of that truth that you're trying to share. And I, deep down, I, I, I want that too. Or I want to relate to the character and discover something about myself from that that's yeah definitely like i Sarah, i could tell on sarah's face and she was like i know the answer to this question but i think it's still <laughs> an important um important point uh to make so i guess maybe and maybe this is oh this could be a difficult question but hey this is what we're here for um what do you jonathan douglas believe needs to be in a quote-unquote good story how do you define a good story nah, this is going to sound so simple um almost commercial but um it, there needs to be a reason for the audience to buy in. If I don't have a reason for the audience to want to take this journey with this character or set of characters, then why are we doing this? Again, I'm, I'm just going to be that that way. Um, it, it, the audience has to have a reason to buy in to go along on this journey. And um, it's ultimately got to be something that the character wants. Because as Uta Hagen once wrote famously and then demonstrated to all of her acting students in New York. Um, and we all, you know, Udo Hagen. Okay. Uh, We're talking about her in my directing class as well right now. So yes, yes. Fun stuff. Yes. <laughs> Good stuff. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That now did you, are you using the textbook that we, we got to look at once upon a time? No, no. We're just like uh, listening to his lectures. Um, oh, okay. All of her but her lectures. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, here's fundamental that, that she's just like, you know, psh, psh, slap everybody upside the head. Uh, hello, uh, let's make it like real life. And let's make it, if you want to make it true, then the person walks into the room, not there to just be seen. The person walks into the room before they walk in, they walk in wanting something. That's why they went through the door. Yes. So when the character does that in your story, ultimately, uh, audience better be along for the ride and want something too or want the character to get what they're wanting or want the character not to get it. But ultimately they've got to find the way to buy in and be invested. Um, they just can't randomly go, okay, here's a story I think I'll watch and not find any connection to any one of the characters and what they want. So there has to be a buy-in. Now, now it could be, um, I mean, I, I, I need to be able to have the mind, mind's eye. This is a, a key thing that just writing and directing, of course, it, you know, as you, as you know, if I could say it this way, you have to have, you know, the eye of the audience in the back of your head at all times or in the front of your head at all times when you're writing. Like, what am I seeing from the audience point of view? To have that perspective is golden in this writing. I don't know if you can necessarily teach it as much as you just have to grow in it, mm. you know, but you got to have the initial ability to see from somebody else's perspective, especially the person that you're trying to can I say it? You're trying to reach <laughs> even with your, sometimes uh, your slapstick and you want them to have a good night and good evening. They better have a connection point that you want to reach and you know, basically where that's at. Um, and, uh, and if they want to see the, the characters succeed, then they're going to buy in because then the, uh, you know, vicariously they feel like they've succeeded. Uh, that character wants revenge. 
you know, they're, they're going to be like, oh, that character, you've made me buy in and I want to see this person get their comeuppance, you know? Um, you know, we, we could be that base, you know, here mm-hmm. on the person to person level. But um, philosophically, I'm sorry, but I feel like it goes higher. You know, I, I don't see it just at stopping there. I feel like um, ultimately we all want to have a story, even if it's just between a husband and wife, even if it's just between members of the mob, but, you know, whatever it may be, even if it's fantastic, fantastical and folklorish, um, I feel like we want to have something that's a higher connection that has, has a connection to the fundamentals that we know that um, outlive us. Does so would you then sense? say that these that these buy-ins is, I like I like the term buy-in. Do, would you say that those okay. are uh, universal in order for to make a good story, or do you think some of these uh, some buy-ins are more intended for a if I can say like a niche audience, or do you say still no? Like a good story has to speak to some universal truth about like like the shared human experience. Well, define good. I mean, who are you? Who are you? Yeah, Jonathan at? Douglas' definition of a good story. <laughs> uh, my good my my definition of a good story is I can clearly visualize my audience in the extent of them and if i can reach the whole extent okay so my goal would always be and again this is no yeah absolutely i'm asking for the douglas uh <laughs> you, you, you got you got got comic book writers that know they have a niche age group uh audience you know of a certain demographic and that's fine with them and they want to stay right there because they want to be comfortable uh I, i'm not trying to necessarily take away from that but i don't if i'm putting something on a big uh live stage where i want to put something out there as you guys are are definitely uh trying to do here with we trying to reach reach a wider audience to make it you know commercially viable let alone um you know make it worth all that time and effort and blood sweat and tears then i want it to to tap into a fundamental that you know is going to hit people that it, it, this is a fundamental of life. This is a fundamental that's beyond my, my beyond me being stuck between my two ears mm. and living in a very selfish world. Um, this fundamentals again has to live on past me, or I have to view it as eternal. Douglas, it's so fun to hear like give to have a platform for to hear like you and your like. You're a little bit of your mind and your motivation. Uh-oh. No, it's 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 like fun because I feel like it's like hard. You know, usually when you and I are like together in something, it's like we don't have. It's not like the appropriate time to have like these bigger discussions. So no, so, one of us has got to rush off to something else. Yeah, exactly. We're like we're, we're like passing. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's good. Sarah and I had a discussion about this early on because I actually think that to be honest, I like. I never wanted this to be per- this to be perfect from the get because I think that's even like like to me I'm all I'm I like to use this platform and this also like just our social stuff as a way to reiterate hey like nothing's ever perfect like don't don't wait for perfect to start kind of a thing so right. I like when it's a little rough around the edges I don't think it takes away from our professionals but I I like tapping into like the reality of hey we're just to a college-age student and a, per, a hot mess express adult woman that is just trying to like make this like happen however we can. And it's going to, we're going to improve and get better, but it's not like, I think that's anyway. So I'm With never- With a hot cons- mess the dad, yeah, <laughs> trying to do his other things <laughs> and trying to juggle this, 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 you know, this, this awesome, awesome uh, idea of, of art and dreaming and storytelling and uh yeah, I, I, think, I can't. I, it's one of those things like I'm, I'll lose sleep and I'll lose meal time over this, you know, because that's what I have to sacrifice now because I can't sacrifice anything else yeah. with, like, with the kiddos. We, if we waited to until like we had a studio set up where we had, right. you know, two, three cams and we had people to run those cameras and we had a, a live switcher and blah, blah, blah. And then we, then we waited until you had a, an hour of your time where you could come to sense, like it would never happen. So like, if it means you have glare on your glasses, you have glare on your glasses, like. <laughs> or audio issues or yeah. Yeah. It, no, it, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a content thing. I mean, I get the contents there and people are interested again. It's just like the storytelling. This is kind of like, it's like a meta moment right now what we're doing is what we're talking about kind of sort of maybe and you know if that's happening then people if, if it's there for for the first person that needs it it's there and that exactly. they're gonna be so grateful regardless and I, think, and I think even like one of the blessings of covid if we can uh, to look at like a positive side i think sure. it's like made us um more receptive to 
quote unquote less than professional or less refined like when you're when you're watching jimmy fallon shoot from like a basically an iphone (laughs) in his house like yes and And that was so good that was so good and i have memories of that yes yes. and i think too i was there's some woman i forget her name off the top of my head she um has uh gone viral several times with some videos that she's put out and she now obviously runs like a, a marketing agency and they yes. do a lot of uh, viral videos and she's and she still emphasizes in 2021 even with like this new iPhone 13 with the cinematic nonsense that doesn't even shoot 1080p um anyway or, or 4k <laughs> uh, about how Oh I, so yeah. you're telling me is that a little a little thing dig. to not get it's, it okay to, to, to me, I, I, I was thinking but maybe i i didn't know so thank you thank you yeah this new cinematic mode doesn't shoot 4k or 60 fps and i'm like and it doesn't shoot 24 fps so i'm like who are you spe- who are you trying to reach then like the person who wants 1080p 30 fps they're gonna buy a 300 dslr like that's you know, anyway uh, um, you're talking about talking about how things you know right now because of covid the blessing of being that we get to just peek into everybody just doing things as best as they can and get get the gold from that, right? Like yeah. you're saying, Jimmy Fallon is an example. I think right there, what made us love that so much with the very poor quality video, but he got gangbuster, you know, hits and you know rehits and all that because uh, we saw a bit of the veil, the curtain pulled mm-hmm. back on the Wizard of Oz there because he's got a big curtain on his set, and we saw his family and we saw where he's really from and really who he really is and the family man that he is and it just it touched us yeah we, we saw just him needed we needed we needed that yes yeah. we did and i think even like this woman who um i wish i remember her name uh who's gone viral has an agency she even speaking about how even when we're talking about like marketing and we're talking about clients you know and return on investments about how the videos that if you're looking to make a viral video the videos that go viral are never the ones shot on red cameras they're always the ones mm. like for her she's like it's all about like there's it's just it's the iphone it's like the, it's the it's because it's it's particularly when you're talking about online stuff because it's just mm-hmm. there's a a different tone it's people are so sick and tired of hearing marketing messages and even like on TikTok, i'm a huge tiktok fan and so i was even scrolling through tiktok yesterday and i sat through an entire ad for heinz ketchup because what it, they all it was was some guy raving about heinz ketchup and he got some stupid little free thing so it like uh squeezes all the ketchup out of the packet and i was stopped this whole six and they, nice. all they did is they took that and they made it into an ad i'm sure i'm well, we can all hope they paid the creator something for it um but right. i was like see this, this well, is the number of hits you would get something right yeah and this is so and, yeah. Hi, and it was from heinz i was like this is the reason this ad works is because it doesn't feel like an ad so because why because it's real and it's exactly kid- we, we we are all you know living in a world where everything got so cleaned up and so processed and so perfected and airbrushed mm-hmm. uh that man i want authentic and, and you know that we always would want that but now we want it even more exactly I mean, come on for something to look so honest and behind the scenes and it's like wow that's a real thing right there I- i'm gonna soak it up i'm gonna Absolutely. go to gravitate towards that every time and and i think that for too long too like companies like i it's so funny to me when companies act like they know more than like like the the clientele you know or the customers and it's like because we, we're not we're not stupid we know when it's fake we know and we know when it's real and you can't manufacture authenticity they've lost so, the audience eye they've yeah, lost the audience yeah. eye they just want to perfect their machinery and they're so they're so caught up in what they can do they're not paying attention to again remembering what the audience really wants exactly they want they want the behind the scenes they want their they want to they want the rawness they want to, why does content marketing work like, right. That's anyway. Oh, isn't that isn't that <laughs> we've all isn't that ultimately where uh, reality TV began? Yeah. Began with us getting to see behind the scenes on something. I don't want to even give MTV credit be the first to do something like that. But even then, um, I forget I forget who did it. But ultimately, when we got to see behind the scenes, and somebody said, "Hey, is that what they want?" Well, then let's just go ahead and make a bunch of shows and script a bunch of shows to look like that. Mm-hmm. And it's constantly, um, you're always going to get, um, like right now on on sports television, I, I'm just, I, I, I drive time, it's, you know, 45 minutes one way. So I'm going to do all the sports podcasts I can. And some of them are just the audio from, from sports television. And you have the, you can always see who's the originators of something. And then you have, after that, you have all these imitators that are like, oh, you know, you know, no, you're not. That's not it. That's not it. You're trying so hard to tap into that. What was that authentic, genuine first thing? Um, 
like right now, if, if anybody cares, uh, in the sports world, we have this new authentic thing of uh, Peyton and Eli Manning on Monday nights. And them doing that in a new way, I guarantee next season, we're going to have a bunch of imitators. But it was such an authentic brother-to-brother thing that we got to peek in on, you know. And that's just one simple example from entertainment world. But, it, you know, it, it's just, it's what's that original authenticity? You know, what can we do that's just not imitating it? Mm-hmm. that's tapping into wait you don't need to imitate somebody else and i'm having this problem when i'm listening to music um doesn't matter what channel you turn to you have somebody that comes out with an original sound and guess what happens you hear that sound over and over and over again and the new hits that the industry wants you to hear on the radio for the following five years uh everybody the coldplay light you know was was, was the thing for the longest time um so it, it's it's stop stop trying to imitate what was authentic. I, I want to know right now in your storytelling or in, in what you're producing, what is your authenticity right now in, in your realm, in your world that you're able to share? It doesn't have to look like anything else. And I think that's mm-hmm. always like, as like maybe pulling a little bit away from storytelling more just a general artist sphere. And I think that's always the difficult, well, we, we as artists overthink it. It's not difficult, but we overthink it when we find trying to find that balance between like, cause obviously we're all influenced. Like actually you taught me this concept in senior year of high school. There's nothing new under the sun. And I think about this all the time. And so it's like, <laughs> there's never an original, we, none of us have an original thought or original idea, so to speak. We're all influenced by something, but we still have our own as individual artists, we still have our like authentic selves and how we express that. So it's finding that balance between like, I think for, for me, I always think of, um, cause I'm a big YouTube person. It was like when Casey Neistat started his YouTube channel in 2015 and completely changed the way that vlogs looked on YouTube. And then after he gained traction, all the vlogs turn into Casey Neistat right. impersonators and right. which is not necessarily a bad thing like the medium grows and and you know it, it, that's how you know any art form progresses is through new people throwing things in and blah 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 but i think that once again like i where i find myself um overthinking and then becoming insecure is it's like well am i really just copying pasting this or was i influenced by this and then you overthink it and then it's a whole like spiral effect down as opposed to just oh, being, no like, somebody yeah if somebody opens a window to a new, uh, it's not new, like you said, it's it's fresh. It's fresh because, hey, um, and I'm experiencing this, if I may uh, say, in, in, in the church uh, format right now, that Bible story is not new, people, <laughs> but I have a new audience for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm right now I'm experiencing getting to tell my own kids these stories mm. that are, you know, millennial old, okay? But, but I have a fresh new audience. So when, when somebody does something that's fresh and new to this audience now, um, it's, it's not, Hey, and I hate this. It's, it's, it, this is something I've, I've dealt with constantly in the, in the business minded world, um, wherever I'm at, Hey, there's the winning formula quick. Let's do that. Read mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, that is not what it's about. It's about, okay, I can capitalize on them doing this new format or this new thing. And now let me bring my authenticity into that. Then all of a sudden it's not just imitation. And just, you know, cut and paste the formula. Then it's something new. And that's, that's why I like that. That's my 3M side argument. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, you know, somebody came up with initial glue for that, for that post-it note. Um, and then my authenticity is, hey, let's, let's try these different paper sizes and colors because we need it for this, this, and this in life. So anyway, Absolutely. I don't think that analogy worked. Never mind. Okay, Sarah, cut that out. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But I do that like, you did bring it back full circle because I realized I was like, oh, wait, we are really recording this podcast here. We do have questions, but LOL. But I enjoyed that. I, I think that, yeah, this is that. That's like a fun, uh, a fun addition. Like it just to get in. And I think obviously plays into, into storytelling. I feel like Sarah, yeah, I feel like, um, I'm trying, I'm, I have no idea how to segue back into a vegan topic. Um, <laughs> um, this is something that, uh, I found I'm okay. We're in the middle of uh, post production for our short film on the end of the spring, and I'm editing okay. it, and it's obviously like hell because that's post production. And yes. uh, I was having, as I was like working on a cut, I was having this big moment where I was overthinking too many things, and I was like, ah, the storyteller demands structure, and the artist demands freedom, and it's like, how do you end about finding the balance? So I would love mm. to hear from. And granted, that was like me editing, overthinking about 
too many things, but I, but I would love to turn that over to you. And how do you find that balance between like form and structure, like that, what physically makes a story and then the freedom, what, as I think Sarah put so, so eloquently, what makes a story its own? Wow. Wow. That's so deep. Oh, I don't don't remember this question. You just add that one. All right. Um, Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things where, man, I'm going to sound like a broken record here. Uh, if I can lock into my audience eye and ears, the one that I'm really aiming at, you know, whether they're uh, kindergartners <laughs> or whether they're, uh, you know, season ticket holders that, um, you know, are, you know, getting near to retirement age or, or they are teenagers that have a certain level of energy and angst about certain things in life. Um when when I when I get that audience eye and ear, once I am able to focus myself, I feel like it answers the structure versus freedom um, balance. Because hmm. you're right, it is a balancing act. And I don't. And again, I'm not going to say there's a set formula that you always are going to hit that mark because you did this exact thing. There is no math to that. Hmm. You know, exact math. Um, this is the other side of the brain. This is not the math science. Uh, this is the touchy feely musical artistry side. Um, yeah. Left, left side of your brain. No, no, right side of your brain. Yes. That, that part. <laughs> yes. Wait, wait, I'm opposite you. So you don't, this is my right side. Anyway. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I you know what I'm saying? It, 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 it's because it, it, the structure and the patterns are over here in math and science and, and the emotional appeal and the freedom and yes, let me, let me scream my freedom <laughs> from the ramparts is over here. And so you're asking, you know, how do you balance those two halves that are screaming and we all have in different balance because we're all, you know, personality wise driven differently. And thankfully I'm, when I'm stuck more in my right brain, you know, if I team up with somebody like uh, Sarah, who's more stuck sometimes in her left brain, we, we make a good team, that kind of thing, you know, because that's what she's training herself to do. She's training herself to look for the structure needs. So when you have a good team around you, um, good, good uh, sounding boards. That is the mm-hmm. ultimate way to balance that structure and that freedom. In mm-hmm. my mind, it's so hard to do inside your own brain because, you know, um, unfortunately, uh, the truth is not always, and most of the time is not, it's so biased between your ears. It really is. And yeah. you need that outside perspective. And that's how you also can stay engaged with the uh, ultimate audience eyes and ears. Um, but again, who am I trying to appeal to? Really, that's all it comes down to for me. Yeah, fair enough. I think I no, no, I do have to caveat that and say, at some times I want to write and do to appeal to me, but I, 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 I'm, I'm. This is why I get a little selfish. I do believe that what appeals to me is going to appeal to a certain number of people as well. If I'm dealing with this, I feel like I'm just as human as you. You might find some truth in what I'm sharing that is so important to me. No, I think that's a, that's a, that's a great reminder because <laughs> yeah, I think it's awesome. like speaks to like like. Uh, like insecurity as as an artist, but what but there, we need the reminder of saying like, hey, once again, you're not excluded from the other six billion people on this earth. Like you're a human too. So if it, you feel right. it, there's a, a strong possibility that you're not the only one out there who is also like wanting. Like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm callous <laughs> enough to think that if I'm feeling it, then you must be feeling it too on some level. Mm. Maybe not to the same degree, but I really do think that what I'm feeling it's it's universal. Come on, you know, there's an entry that whatever there. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, thank you. You've kind of uh, mentioned a couple throughout the episode, um, but have there been any films, plays, songs, or other other kinds of stories recently that have inspired you? Hmm. You mean what? Like going to the movie theater? Because that's I got a three year old and a six year old. I don't (laughs) do that. I you know COVID or not recently. Kids. Uh, in general on their storytelling writing ability or level you know oh their ability to be because you 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 mentioned that you were yeah you mentioned that um you think you said the apollo 13 soundtrack inspired you so that was that was kind of like the branch of that question and the reason i had the soundtrack was because i was so inspired by the movie by the film gotcha uh it, it so hit me um because you know um you know, I wasn't alive for that particular moment in history, but the universality of of what they wanted in that space capsule, it actually hit me emotionally. You know, mm-hmm. in the end, I want to do, I want to do, I want to do all this great, I want to have a great pilgrimage. 
and see how much I can achieve. But at a certain point, the most important thing was either A, we're going to try to land on the moon and never make it back, or we're going to want to go home. And ultimately, what did they choose? Okay, if I could just be that, you know, base. And I just, man, Tom Hanks, what makes him so universal? He taps into the everyman, you know, and he's looking at the earth saying, guys, I'm ready to go home. And what that meant and that, and then you wanted that you were cheering from the rest of the way, come on guys, you can do it. And it's funny because uh, we're supposed to already know the history. We're supposed to already know how it's supposed to end, but they sucked you in, man. Are they going to, are they going to do it? So um, anyway, yeah. Apollo 13. Did I mention that? That's a really good one. That's a really good example. <laughs> I think yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. Shawshank Redemption, of course, for all guys yeah. of a certain generation X um, yeah. for sure. And of course, Star Wars, of course, but you know, the, the original um um they were so close so close in, in the sequels i'm just oh if it wasn't for episode nine okay they were going somewhere with that um <laughs> anyway don't get me started um some good storytellers and music is that what you're asking yeah um, yeah i mean i just watched aladdin with my kids too that was awesome to relive that and more importantly to see how they got sucked in and now that's all they want to listen to um you know in the car you know daddy plug your phone in get the Bluetooth going, whatever. I want to hear Latin songs. I want to hear uh, Moana songs. <laughs> you know, I want to hear Frozen songs. You are know, they watching so... the um, original Latin, like the animated version, or are they watching the live action one? Uh, no, no, we're doing original. Ah, doing original. Good, good. good. The, the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, want, I wanted them to have the Robin Williams genie experience. Yeah. Like I had it. And they did, and they did, and it still holds up. And that's how I know it's a classic and it's universal. Yeah. Um, it's not stuck in one era. Um, there's some plot points near the end and how the female character is being handled jasmine that you know they did tweak in the most re recent version um but for the most part you know that, that right there what you have it holds up not so much a little mermaid no I, I you know so we're we we're not not a fan especially because of some um anyway um, i could direct you to a very good podcast that tears it apart but anyway um <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you look for what is universal, what is classic, and you want your family to have that same experience. You know, that's where I'm at right now. This is my chapter mm -hmm. currently. Um, I'm not getting to do much big stuff. I, what I want to do is it has a lot to do with, um, you know, the puppets for the kids or, um, you know, the, the experience of being able to bring, like right now we're in a series at, at, at our church of the Beatitudes. And so I want to find um, things that that um, epitomize the Beatitudes if for our audience to get it, you know what I'm saying, to, to, to really understand what they're about. So yeah. that's, that's where I'm at in this chapter, you know. That, so. that kind of leads me to my next question, though, um, which is, have you achieved any storytelling goals of yours? Yes, and, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> and what are some things you would still like to accomplish? Ah, uh, yes. Well, I, I kind of feel like if, if you're living and breathing and you're, you're, uh, you're a true artist, you're never going to be done pursuing the next thing that you would want to do. Um, I'm glad for what I've been able to check off the list, so to speak. Um, but there's always going to be something, you know, mm -hmm. to your dying day. You're like, man, I just want to try that. I just want to go after that. So are you asking which which one are you asking again? Both. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Oh, well, let's start with the first part. Um, um, looking back at all the the years of experience that you've had, yeah. what are what are the things that you've accomplished or are most proud of? Yeah, initially coming out of undergrad, when I discovered theater and drama, just the basic you know street drama and uh, 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 youth drama, you know, and in that whole genre, I wanted to conquer that genre. Does that make sense? For better or for worse, I wanted to see what I could do, how far I could push it, and I did. I, and, and that because we created something new, in in terms of something within that boundary that they had not thought of before. I mean, we broke the fourth wall where they had never done that before. And the national competition jumped off the main stage at in the uh, RCA dome at the time in, in Indianapolis and went down to the front row of the audience during a lip sync. You know that had never been done before. And from that point on, of course, the next. 10 years. That's exactly what everybody did. Um, you know, so I, I like to take some credit for that, but you know, then using an Apollo 13 soundtrack instead of just a, a radio song, you know, and mashing that up and mixing voiceovers and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to conquer that. I took as far as I could. And let me tell you, as soon as we did that, I was done. Everybody's like, okay, what are you going to do for your follow-up next year? We didn't show up. 
I did, I did short, you know, five minute sketches the following year. I, I'm maybe I burnt myself on that, but at the same time, I feel like we pushed it. And, and the next thing that I want to do is against the rules in this, you know, play sure. area. So I'm moving on and I've constantly done that. And so then I moved into five minute sketches. Um, and when I felt like we, we, I had achieved a certain amount and I'd, you know, worn out my welcome there. I moved into, um, you know, uh, the short film and then I did the, the full three act play. Um, mm -hmm. I got to sit at somebody's elbow and experience the three act play and learn a lot. And so then I wanted to conquer that and I wanted to conquer it in each one of the genres, everything from the classic Disney musical to, you know, to, to famous uh, fables to, um, I, I don't know if uh, Sarah remembers this, we did Everyman. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um which is you know every man is one of the greatest of, of medieval if not the medieval play you know and we updated it um and then once you've done that i check i mean i do want to do another medieval play no I, I feel like everybody wants to then say what's the new fresh um artistic experience um and so yeah good grief i definitely wanted to do i mean i wanted to do uh we did 10 minute films and then how 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 long do they get? I mean, we got to an hour uh, as far as our our zero budget went uh, for a short film class and the amount of time we had to edit. Um, so I felt like that's I took that as far as I could take that. Um, so I would love looking forward now, right? Okay, looking forward, mm -hmm. looking forward. I, you wanted me to get there. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I would love to be able to write. Um, I've done I've done a decent job. I feel like, and again, I'll, I'll uh, just because it's fresh on the brain. The Pierre Gant example of there was an original five act in a different language that I was able to uh, take and make something condensed and more palatable for for a more modern, different, younger, whatever audience. Um, I would like to do something from scratch in that that some a story that I feel like gets so to the base human condition the basic fundamentals of being and purpose. Um, and so um, uh, one of our, uh, my former teaching colleagues, uh, Alice Betts, our teacher, um, she had the great idea of, of the story of Job. She had an initial concept that she said, here, what can you do with this? And so it's still in the back of my mind. It's so hard for me to not be able to work on it <laughs> because of the current chapter I'm in with my family. But at some point, because you need, you need oodles of space you know, for your brain to really, to really focus on that kind of thing. So whether it's Job, whether it's David, oh my goodness. Yeah. Just, you know, the soap opera that is there, the miniseries. Um, so to be able to write that kind of thing, but that's so epic and biblical, you know, I just feel like those kind of stories it, or there's something akin to that, maybe a modern version of that, where I, I just want to get to something that I can write originally that gets to the fundamental um, purpose for being. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I would love to do that. I would love to do that. I'm just right now, my mindset is, and all I can picture from experience is seeing that on a live stage. Um, but I, I could, I could see that being a, um, a film thing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So we'll circle back in a month's time and see how you've come along. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, the, this, that's actually has been work for three, four years. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's I find always going to be helpful. out front of me. Yeah, when it, when it ruminates, though, in the back of the head, when the moment's right for it to go from head to paper, I sometimes I feel like that's, that's actually kind of helpful because you have so much built in your head about it. You have the world, and it's just about pulling it out and translating it. So I think that's a, yeah. such a healthy have, perspective you have about, like, season of life. I've listened to to so many podcasts on the Book of Job, and I have notes. <laughs> <laughs> there you so go. So I got that far. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And like, like you say, like it's, a, it's a process, and there's yeah. no, there's no, like, good or bad timeline it is it just is what it is and it'll get done when right. it gets done and, we, and, we, I, and we'll I take part with some very famous people very famous people saying yeah i've been working on this for 15 years and it's finally coming around wow well that's you with all of your clout okay yay thank you <laughs> yeah absolutely I, we need to like a reminder that like i think because particularly now where everything is so like give it out give it out we just need content 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 there you do feel like you're always 12 steps behind so it is nice to have a reminder of no we all it's all like not linear <laughs> it's all like doo -doo -doo. <laughs> so right no. 
Oh, that's cool, Douglas. I'm glad. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Before we do wrap up with you there, Douglas, I would love to um, mm-hmm. kind of, well, more so turn the tables back onto you just to see if there's mm-hmm. anything that, you know, you would like to t- talk about, share, even promote, something that we haven't given you an opportunity to talk about that you were hoping to today. Hmm. Wow. Ah, yikes. I, I didn't know I was supposed to come on here and sell some soap. I, I apologize. <laughs> I would have had something ready. Hey, to lotion, not soap. Some products. This is your um, time to shine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How can well, we pre-order um, your I'm really, I'm really into Rise Up Coffee right now. You all should go try that. Um, no, <laughs> um, or or Blonde Rose Starbucks. I'm telling you, that's it's it's actually more oh, caffeinated so than the burnt stuff. You're not. I mean, not. you're not wrong. I mean, I'm not gasping for it, but you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay what am i what am i trying to promote what, what was the word any, anything like if anything like it's a, it's a really open intentionally open-ended question anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't given you like a question to talk about if there's anything you wanted to share they really just wanted to give you an opportunity to to lead the discussion before we close out oh my goodness i felt like i've already taken enough of the lead here and nah. run with it and you're like I, you know i know sarah was below the table just doing one of these things so um, <laughs> uh all right let's see here um yeah no I, i'm probably just gonna rack my brain and not come up with something i i really just i maybe i can just repeat in a way that um i'm all about the fact that um and wow this is going to go back to <laughs> Fine Arts 101, you know, or whatever we called it back when uh, we took it our freshman and sophomore year, and that is the fundamental of why that I always wanted to put on the the whiteboard or the chalkboard wherever I was at. Um, taught, I've taught 15 years before I wrapped it up in four different schools, and so I had a chalkboard, then I had a whiteboard eventually. But um, you know, whether I was teaching history to middle schoolers or high schoolers, um, whether I was teaching uh, fine arts or, you know, I, I was teaching New Testament. Um, I always start every single class with the why. I, I write, I walk in the room and I write that on the board and let's see how everybody responds to that. What in the world are we doing here? Why do we have any idea of what the purpose is? Cause until you say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tackle that first and then once I've come up with the answer, then I buy in. And when I buy in, then I'm ready to learn. Does that make sense? And I feel like it's the same thing with the storytelling. Can I get the audience to, um, to tackle the why? Um, because fundamentally, here we go. Here's my soapbox. You ready? Uh, fundamentally, um, I, I do believe we're built for storytelling. Okay. We're built because I believe in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, where we're made in the creator's image. And therefore, here's the brain warp. Uh, if we're made in the image of the creator, capital C, um, we have, then we have purpose. And the purpose is to be creators as well, little c, image makers. And you're going to make an image, whether be an image maker, whether you like it or not. Just like gravity is going to affect you, whether you believe in it or not. Um, and there's just going to be a fundamental, in, in, when we have that fundamental connection as an audience with, hey, that person's talking about having purpose. And I agree with that. Subconsciously, I am drawn to that. When that happens, that is such an argument for being created by you know, a higher being with a capital C creator, and then us being the same. Um, and our free will makes us want to go after it artistically, storytelling wise, you know, pursue and build um, and, and, ha- and find purpose out of it. And then all of a sudden we're all buying in and then we all want to discover that truth together. And I just, I find it when everybody buys into that concept in a dark theater, uh, it's just amazing how the collective intelligence and the collective buy-in in the room, in a dark room like that, amongst everybody together, it just goes up and it just gets heightened. And the emotional buy-in and the connection gets heightened when we're all in that together and we're all, we're all of that one mind. And, and, and we all then buy in that there is this, this truth we're all seeking right here, right now, even amongst the laughs and some tears. So that to me is fundamental. That's what gets me excited. That's what I envision when I want to sit down and type something. Awesome. I think that's what a great button to put on, on the show, like like to just to wrap it all up into your guiding yeah. principles. Thank you. 
Yeah, yeah, thank you. No problem, no problem. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode, our seventh episode of Martini Shot. To take a look at what we're working on, casting calls, newsletters, and more, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Nantico, which is N-A-N-T-I-C-O, and our website at Nanti.co, which is N-A-N-T-I dot C-O. We also have a YouTube and TikTok channel where you can find all of our short films and podcast episodes on. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Ha <laughs>